introduce your yourself a little bit of background and whatever. So um, over to you. Yeah, well, thank you for having me on board. I really appreciate um, being able to be a part of this, to be honest. Yeah, it's a great honor. Um, well, yeah, my name is Greg Street, uh, Bristol born and bred. Uh, been playing, well, I have been playing basketball for, well, since the ages of about 15. Right. And uh, it basically was a turning point in my life, to be honest, when it came to sort of my progression as an adult and being able to meet new people, gain experiences, finding jobs, you know, just everything was kind of around basketball and I've you know, got sport to thank for that, really. That's cool. That's really cool. So you you played, you, so give me a little bit of background in your whole journey. So you're 15, you start playing basketball, yeah. did you immediately take to it? Yeah, so I mean, I was kind of in secondary school and I was just playing everything, you know, football, rugby, athletics and basketball was just another one of the sports that I just wanted to play and you know, when you're an athletic kid and you want to play sports all the time, you'll play anything. Mm. But I did take a liking towards basketball. And it was only until I was playing sort of like a regular uh, fixture against another school. And the referee at the time was the Bristol Bombers coach okay. at the time. And he took a liking to me for, do you know, this kid can play, you know. come. He spoke to me after the game and said, why don't you come on to one of our training sessions? And I thought, well, play basketball properly? I was like, I don't know if I could do that. Yeah. And he <laughs> said, no, seriously, come along. You'll be fine. So I came along and I just never left. You know, I just kept week week after week, kept playing. Uh, I Literally within six months of playing for the Bristol Bombers, I was selected to play for the Southwest team. So I, I was representing the Southwest and I was going away to trials and competitions. And I went, my first trip out was to Prague Amazing. Uh, with the team. And I thought, you know, this could be quite good. And I found the sort of the teachers at school were catching drift of what I was doing and I was getting a little bit more leeway and yeah. strict and stuff, you yeah. know, so that kind of helped a lot. I like and I started that. to think, you know what, this is the kind of person that I want to be. And this is the path that I want to go down. Yeah. And then, um, so at 15 and then under 16s, I went to the under 16s England trial, uh, was made successful through that. So I went to the European Championships in Brighton. Uh, represented England for the first time, uh, which was a big buzz. It was it was great. It was good for the Bombers at the time because I felt like I was kind of doing them proud. Yeah. Not many kids in the Southwest. I think I was the only one from the Southwest that made it to the England team in my age group. So I kind of felt like I was like representing the Southwest. So and, you've been playing 18 months or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and you got yeah, to the England probably, Yeah, That's crazy. Yeah. I, I, I picked up really quick. Yeah. You know, really quick. And I kind of I'll get to it later on, but I feel like I kind of sprouted very early in my development and kind of it, it finished a lot sooner than maybe it could have because I was so full on at such a young age. Because um, obviously I'm 30 years old now yeah. and I finished playing last year. Yeah. So I, I could have had that. another five years really, yeah. you know, four or five years, but I just feel like my body and my mind has had so much in such a short period of time that it just needed that time to kind of relax I mean I've never missed a season since the age of 15 back to back and from the ages of 15 and 21 I was playing through the summer with the international stuff the England stuff and everything as well as representing college as well as playing two age groups I always played up you know even when I was 16 I was playing for the under 18s when I was under 18 I was playing for the men's team and you know I, and then you chuck a bit of local league in as well yeah, yeah, yeah. in the mix it's just it's just been a lot a that's, real real lot so that's mad because yeah. yeah typically you'll have you on a team and then you'll take a summer, do you know what I mean? You'll have yeah. that break. But I suppose internationally anyway, even if you were playing championships and wh- whatever you were playing at yeah. that time, it's going to take a toll. But if you're playing all those teams, all those leagues, God, it's yeah. so, so you would be playing four or five uh, games a week probably. Yeah, that. it was. It was It was hectic. It was NBA crazy. Schedule. It, was, it almost was, yeah. So it was college games on a Wednesday, local league on a Monday night maybe. And then games for National League, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, depending on fixtures. And then that was all the way through until April, finished playoffs, and then straight off to England. Straight after that, you know, England stuff, international stuff, commitments and stuff. And I suppose on all of those teams, you were probably a a key fixture anyway. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I wanted to play, you know, um, I wanted to get involved. I wanted to give everything I had. And it was nice because... in a way, because I didn't have that off time through the summer, as soon as the season started in September, I was still going, you know, I was still, you know, I maybe needed a week just yeah. to kind of like relax an ankle or so, and that's it, and I was, I was ready to go, and it really helped my development through the National League yeah. fixtures, so it was just a roller coaster. I just kept going, just kept riding it and riding it, but, you know, like every good roller coaster comes to an end. And Wheels fall off to, at some point. Yeah, you know. What made your decision to, we'll come back to the rest of the career for sure, but what made your decision to retire? Was it just you, you decided you'd done enough yeah I feel like um, for, for the Flyers I thought that the Flyers is in such a great place at the moment I mean 
from me joining the team when they were in Division Three all the way through to Division One, uh, and the, the countless years that we had in Division One, and the success that we had, and then finally going to the BBL, it was just like it, it got to that point where everything I wanted to do and give to the team, I couldn't give anymore. And the team was in a, such a good place; it didn't need Greg Street, you know, it didn't need me to continue this this journey. Like yeah. I, I felt like it was pushing itself now, and. It was just nice to me for me to be able to step back and say, Do you know what, it's at a good place now. I'm gonna let someone else have that captain's role. I'm gonna let someone else have those those minutes. A younger player who's hungry for it, that wants to get that exposure to then go off to the states and do great things. Yeah. Like that's that's a place for you now, you know. And I just wanna, I didn't want to linger in the team. I, I I wanted to kind of come out on a high and start focusing on the rest of my life, kids, you know, yeah. holidays and family and stuff. You know, these are sort of things that. I want to now put my efforts in because I've given so much for the last 15. Yeah. So and it, it was a nice decision. I, I was really comfortable with it all, you know. That's that's rare, I think. Yeah. Because a lot of pro athletes, it's, it's either taken away from them mm. by their body letting them down. Yeah. Or it's taken away by a coach saying, Do you know what, you're not there anymore. Yeah. So that's not your choice and you've got to deal with that. And that's hard. If you're not ready to let go of the sport, that's hard yeah. to deal with that. Definitely. So. Yeah, I think that the, the game was starting to move away from me slowly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the pace and you've and, said and this to me before. <laughs> yeah, it was slowly going that way. And the thing is, like Andreas is such an amazing coach, and he's a, a great friend of mine throughout the whole years. And you know, I didn't want to put him in that awkward position as well. You know, because I, I started coming off the bench towards the end of my career and stuff. And although I was making a good impact and I was still for the team and everything, there was there's still someone else out there that could have done a better role. Yeah. You know, in that position, I didn't want to put him in that. So I just said to him that this is going to be my last year. I'm going to give everything I got, coach. And then after this, you know, you can find another captain. You can find someone else to fit that role, and I'll be cheering for you in the stands. You know, yeah. and, and that's exactly what I have been doing. So and did he nice. take that? Okay, did he try and convince you otherwise? He was completely supportive. He said, Greg, I will back you whatever you decide to do. If you want to carry on playing, you'll always have a place in this team. If you want to, you know, take this time to retire, then go for it. I mean, he was so he was so cool about it. He even said that if I were to take a year out just to kind of let it sink in a bit, and if I wanted to come back yeah. the year after, I was more than welcome to. And I mean, that's such a, a great honor and, and a privilege to have that position, you know. But after having the time off, I felt like this was the right time for me to leave and yeah, it was it was really nice. It was yeah. a good thing, definitely. What's the BBR like playing in? It was great. Yeah, it was brilliant. It was um, going from playing National League Div One, where you're focused on maybe two good Americans, two good British guys, and then a few role players. You know, you're going to now playing five good Americans, four good British players, and then a couple role players. Yeah, and it was just that intensity. You know. You're, you're playing in Division One, and you're waiting for these key players to take a break on the bench so you could make your move and really make that 10 and 0 run. But you don't get that in the BBL. Yeah. You know, if you want to make your push, you've got to make it against you know some of the better teams and the best players in the league. Yeah. And it was just intense. It was just great, and there was never an off moment. You know, every mistake was capitalized on on both ends. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and it was just a really great. <clears throat> level to play at and I really feel that the BBL doesn't get as much credit as, as it deserves. It's a hard, hard lifestyle, yeah. you know, to to adjust to, to play at the amount of hours you need to put in mentally and physically to play at that level is tough. Yeah. You know, it really is. But it was it's great. It's How many games are you playing? Man, uh it's upwards forties. Is it? Forty plus. Wow. Yeah. When you think about the trophy and the cup. Um, as well as the Championship League as well. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's pushing 40. Wow. And then you've got preseason as well and playoff fixtures on top of that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's, a big, that's a long season. Yeah, definitely. I, it makes me laugh. Now, I would never discredit any of this by saying that I was even close to playing at your level. I remember I went for... You know when Thames Valley Tigers turned into the Guildford Heat? Yeah. They had like an open kind of a few weeks where people could go in. If you were... If you have a decent level, you can go and play and whatever. Yeah. And... Um, uh, Chris James, coach, he was at, he's, I think, he's about, Worcester. Yeah. He uh, said, yeah, come along. You know, we'll do, we just, it's, it's scrimmaging or whatever. And I remember kind of going, well, I'm only little. I'm quite quick. Okay, I'll, I'll go and see what I can do. And there were players your size playing point guard. So <laughs> I can even see past them, let alone run past them. And uh, that was when I realized, like, oh, okay, so this is, there's definite steps here. And um, I'll never forget, I went on a, a, an outlet fast break. So I'm running down the court 
and it's just me and there's one dude in front of me and he's massive and I was like okay so I'm either going to have to hold this thing up or I'm going to have to try and try and get fouled because I'm not going to score on him <laughs> and uh, just thank god someone shouted trailer so, <laughs> saving grace yeah. so I pass the ball back to this guy behind me trailing and he takes off and he dunks on both of us the defender and me and we both end up on the floor nice. and that was the kind of day that I went nah, I'm probably not going to play professional basketball <laughs> so it's just um, I can only imagine what it must be like for every single opportunity to get finished that way you know for every time you lose a fast yeah. break if one player doesn't get back it's game over five on really four is. you're going to get scored on yeah but you say about the height thing, I mean, one thing I definitely noticed in the BBL is you look, you look at the opposition, they're warming up and you see a small guy, he's going to be something special because yeah. of the height. You know, yes. you have to be, you know, quite tall in order to play at that level. But if you're small and you're playing at that level, there's something special about yeah. you. And they tend to be <coughs> sometimes even the best players. Yeah. You know, some of the best players I've played against have been under six foot. Really? Guaranteed. Yeah. Well, um, Stephen Gill. From Manchester, yeah. he was amazing. I hope he's listening to this, but yeah. I, I give him full credit. I always respected him as a player because he was just amazing, and I was always chasing him. It's like that whole Kobe Iverson thing, you know. I was thinking, how does he do what he's doing? Does how does sense. he get in the paint? Like, how is he getting that shot off? He's, you know, he's he's way smaller than me, but yeah. he's, he's able to do amazing things. And it's just like that whole persona about being small and not being able to play is just out of the window now. Yeah. You know, it's just. Because there's guys who are seven foot shooting threes, and this yeah. guy's five five dunking. Yeah, you know? and it's just yeah, it, it's we're evolving as people. You know, we're able to do more things now. You know, so I remember watching Iverson at his best, and he just he didn't make any sense. Like you're yeah. looking at him, and I just don't understand how you're like he's shooting floaters over Shaq, and you go, that's got to go yeah. up so high to get over Shaq. How are yeah. you doing this? I don't know how. I it's don't know mad. how they do it. Yeah, but the hours that they put in, it's, you know, the kids and stuff, they'll watch the game. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Go off in the park, I think they can do it. But they've been doing that stuff religiously. Yeah. I mean, I'm now I've finished playing, I enjoy watching things like, you know, the Michael Jordan tapes and the Kobe, Will, yeah. when he's talking about how he used to train and the amount of hours he put in, the USA Olympic stuff that he did, like making yeah. guys wait on the bus to yeah. make like 50 free throws yeah. or free pointers and stuff. And I just think, wow, it's that amazing. mentality is incredible. Yeah. You know, to be able to have that. And it, that's what you need to take to, yeah. to get to that level. You the know? stories of Kobe turning up to training and players getting traded to the team thinking, I'm going to beat him to the gym. And he's already there. He's already there. He's yeah. breakfast yeah. now. It's, it's brilliant. It's yeah. fantastic. That's what a great, great role model for that Huge. sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. So, so when you, so when would you have said was the age that you were like, right now I'm a professional. I'm being paid to play basketball. It's my job. When did that happen? Um, I would say first year at the BBL. That's when I really felt like I was sort of a, a professional athlete. You know, and even before I, I felt that sort of, I don't know, professionalism, I still felt like I was working to be a professional athlete. So I had the same mentality. Like I, it was the goal that I was chasing and I was you know, even working harder because yeah. I was trying to achieve that goal. I wanted to get to the BBL. I wanted to lead division one in scoring i wanted to lead it in rebounds and assists i wanted to try and do the best i possibly could to get the team in that position and then when i got to the bbl it was sort of like right okay i'm here now i've, I've made that that jump now yeah. to the professional leagues it's like right what where's the bar at now where do i need to set it you know what's what's going to be realistic for me to achieve what's going to be realistic for the team to achieve and andrea said right let's make the playoffs in our first year yeah, let's try and get to the playoffs and that's what we were chasing and chasing and chasing and we managed to achieve that <coughs> and it just it was sort of a a weird weird jump from going not necessarily the big fish into a a, a big pond you know mm -hmm. that type of thing but it was more like a right where are we gonna sit with this standing where are we compared to Plymouth where are we compared to the Lions where are we compared to the Sharks and yeah. stuff you know where are we gonna sit so it was sort of it was good to get our hands dirty but at the same time it was difficult for me to say that I was still a professional because I was still working as yeah. well, you know? So being a professional basketball player in England doesn't necessarily mean you're just playing basketball, yeah. you know? I was still coaching, I was mentoring, I was doing youth work, I was working at a prison, teaching kids how to play basketball wow. in a prison, I was mentoring kids with disabilities and behavioral issues and stuff. So there was a lot more going on. and. It was almost like I would step onto the basketball court and I was Greg Street, the professional mm -hmm. basketball player, and I would leave. And then I was Greg Street, the coach, the mentor, the role model, the, you know, all these yeah. other things as well, you know. Oh. So I had a lot going on 
throughout my whole playing career. Yeah. Certainly. But if it wasn't for all those things, I wouldn't have had, if I was working a nine to five, but in an office, I would have been able to make shoot and practice on a Tuesday morning or gym session in the afternoon on a Wednesday and all those kind of things. I would have been able to do it. Yeah. So if it wasn't for the flexibility of coaching and mentoring and stuff, then I, there's no way I would have been able to, to balance the two. No. Which is probably why I was the only one that continued playing in my sort of friend group growing up playing basketball because jobs, commitments, family and stuff, it all gets in the way. Whereas yeah. I was lucky enough to kind of keep it going based on my job, based on my family, helping me with my kids and stuff and allowing me to continue playing. I was very lucky. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like you're the right, the right kind of mix yeah. of, of, of uh, circumstance, which is important. Organized chaos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if you, so now then you've retired from the game, but you're still playing locally, which is where we met. Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of, you know, I said this to people before, you kind of know you're up against it when you walk into the gym and the guy's face is on the wall and you're playing against him. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how has it been for you in like a local league now? Oh, it's been brilliant. You've enjoyed I, it? I've absolutely loved it. I mean, the BBL puts so much pressure on you and I put a lot of pressure on myself, if I'm honest, um, to, to do the team proud, to do myself proud, coach, fans, everyone, you know, and it's nice to be able to turn up and play basketball and just enjoy it and yeah. just have fun, you know, and just everything's like hard, put up a shot, you miss, ah, oh well, yeah. back on defense, you know, and it's just a nice mentality and sometimes you lose focus of that when you are playing at such a high level because you're thinking about your stats you're thinking about the numbers you're thinking about league position and yeah. playing local league is just a breath of fresh air it really is nice if, if that's what local league's designed for then it is perfect yeah you know and that's exactly what i'm using it for and it's an opportunity to meet people like yourself again and that yeah. you know and just reconnect and see local people and it's just nice yeah. it really is definitely uh so that's really cool and you know what you play with a smile on your face yeah and that's really infectious and it's nice because often you kind of think, well, you know, there's a, there's a lot of ego. There's a lot of ego in basketball in general, but oh, in, yeah. this, you know, in sports, there's a lot of ego. And I wasn't sure what to expect when I first played against you at all. Yeah. And, um, and it's, I was like really, I wasn't kind of assuming you weren't going to be a nice guy, but I was pleasantly surprised at how nice it was to play against you. You were chatting throughout the game and it, was, it wasn't ill-tempered and you get that a little bit you know oh, yeah, i suppose yeah. you've got nothing to prove though so often those guys are the guys that have got a lot to prove and feel like they need to yeah. get an edge saying stuff to you on the court and that but it's um you must have everybody gunning at you though yeah in this yeah i remember being sort of especially some of the younger kids definitely you know i remember being 15 16 years old and there's this 21 player 21 year old player and He's meant to be like, you know, real good and stuff. I want to go at him. You yeah. know, that's what makes me better. Yeah. Show me something. Teach me something. You know, if you're going to score on me, I want to score on me. Show yeah. me how you do it so I can copy. You know, I built, I built my whole game on watching people play basketball, yeah. you know, and, and being able to see their strengths and see their weaknesses and stuff. Not necessarily all the, the flashy stuff that, you know, necessarily kids look at nowadays, but how did he get that shot? That yeah. shot looked amazing, but how did he get that space? And how was he able to create that move of one dribble and stuff, you know? Like, that's the things I was looking at. And yeah. so I would encourage anyone, that, you know, to really go out. If you if you think that someone is a good player, then yeah, go at them, yeah. you know? Or if they got credentials like me, then yeah, go at me, you know? Yeah. Embarrass me if you want to, you know? <laughs> Try and don't call me whatever. Because at the end of the day, if it makes you a better player, and yeah. I was the reason for that, then I'm still winning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're still you doing know? I, I helped you out, you know? Yeah. I, I've given you that buzz. Yeah. yeah definitely. And if... if if I can help someone in any any way, if it's being competitive or just telling someone good shot, if they made that, you know, I've, I've told opposition and stuff like, yeah, good shot, yeah. you know, just because that might be the little boost that they need to up their game. Yeah. You know, I think it's great. Yeah. Definitely. It's, it's a positive environment. That's good. Yeah, it's good. Um, there's a, that, there, we had a play on the last game and we played against each other and you caught the ball in a post against our big man and immediately spun baseline on the catch. And then you ended up somehow on the other side of the basket and you didn't reverse lay, lay it, you kind of turned your body so you were shooting almost a jump shot under there. No idea how it happened. <laughs> Got fouled. And I said to you, just don't take it easy on us though, you know? <laughs> yeah. so, you kind of go, that sort of thing is still in there. But the, the, the overriding thing is you're telling me, oh, I feel old and slow or whatever, but that sort of thing's still there. Yeah. Do you ever get the itch to kind of go, oh, maybe I'll go back? Or never? Sometimes, a yeah. little bit, like when, when we're in the middle of the game, yeah. and I think, yeah, I can still do this, mm -hmm. you know, that's when I think, maybe I've got one or two years left in me. But then it, 
sort of the game goes on and I start getting a bit tired and the legs get heavy and you know, start sweating a bit more yes. and stuff. And then I think, yeah, do you know, I can't do this again. Yeah. You know, and it's it's not so much the game, like I said, it's it's the training. Yeah. Yeah, the amount of training that the flyers put in week in, week out, every day, you know, whether it's in the room watching game tapes, you know, fitness, indoor and outdoor fitness, yeah. you know, and then it's everything else that's on the court. Mm. It's it's just a lot. Game planning strategies. Huge, massive commitment. What sort of training would you be expected to take to sort of take on as a, as when you were with the Flyers? Uh, so we would do strength and conditioning. So that would be well, when I was playing, it was three times a week. It's probably up to now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would imagine it's four, maybe even five. Uh, but we would come in and we would do a lot of uh, mobilization stuff, like open, opening up our shoulder joints and and just freeing up our chest and stuff like that. So lots of stretching to begin with. And then we would have individual training plans. Um, it started off as guards, forwards. So mm-hmm. guards would have a plan and forwards would have a plan. And as the team progressed and the fitness was taken more seriously, we started to have individual training programs uh, based on previous injuries that people were carrying or strengths that they wanted to work on or weaknesses they wanted to eliminate. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be not so much sort of strength, um, sort of like bulk building, but more strength. Yeah. Uh, joints and stuff especially for me it was more sort of knees ankles lower back those kind of things that I needed to sort of strengthen and, and really work on I played quite a dynamic game when I was playing in my prime and stuff so my knees used to take a lot of the pounding yeah. from that and ankles and stuff sprained ankles and bits and pieces um, and then we'd also do lots of cardio so we do lots of uh, rowing cycling running but it would never be sort of the same thing every week. Yeah. We tried to vary it, whether it was sort of like a hit session or it would be uh, just a straight, you know, 10K run or something like that. It'd be along those lines yeah. and over the week or something. Um, and then obviously all the court stuff, suicides and yeah. <laughs> all those kind of things um, to help us on the court. Uh, but that m- most of the conditioning did happen in preseason. But then once we got into the league, into the season, and we're sort of in the mix, November time, October, and stuff, it, our conditioning would just maintain. Yeah, we weren't really trying to build at that point. We were just trying to maintain, and then we sort of focused more on tactics, mm-hmm. uh, brushing up on our our flow offense, and making sure things were crisp. And we'd slightly alter things depending on who we were playing against, uh, whether it was defensively or offensively. Andreas was, this is one thing I loved about Andreas, is he always very focused on defense. Defense was his bread and butter. You know, we could mess up all we want to on offense, but mm-hmm. as long as we play defense, the game will come to us. And uh, we used to work game. a lot on defense, you know, rotations, defensive rotations, moving off the ball, uh, sorry, uh, moving as the ball moves and yeah. stuff, making sure we're in the right place, beating our man to the spot. He was very focused on defense. That was my pretty much whole career with Andreas, was focusing on defense and then worrying about offense afterwards, yeah. you know, because anyone can score but can you stop someone from scoring yeah was the mentality defense will make you fitter as well yeah yeah anyone can play offense all day long but it's effort defense just effort definitely i mean and i i think that's that's often missing um Mm. and i think that's that's the thing that we i often find missing at the local league level is it's easy to leave two players behind on a fast break and not even get back half past halfway yeah you're gonna go okay that's where you're gonna let in 10 to 12 points a game which is often the difference yeah so it's if you can get back and just hassle the shot you're probably going to be okay because not everyone's as skilled at this level to score layups when they're sort of impacted or whatever. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I often say to the guys, you know, don't don't bail him out by fouling him. You yeah, know, just put pressure on him and let him miss the shot. Yeah, yeah. If he makes it, fair play. Yeah, you know, like you don't need to put yourself in an awkward position where you could be sat on the bench in a minute because you just picked up your third foul. It's yes. like four, you know. So I often tell guys, yeah, be be smart with your defense, be smart with your fouls, move yeah. your feet, play defense with your feet. You yeah. know, a lot of these kids are reaching in nowadays yeah. and stuff. You know. Yeah. Play defense with your feet, you know, and, and play good D, and he'll he'll cough it up. Yeah, you know, having from the refs at our level, <laughs> man, refereeing. Um, it's a thankless task, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's tough being a referee, and I've I've got my coaching, my coaching qualifications as well as my refereeing and table, and so I've seen it from all different aspects mm-hmm. and stuff. And refereeing is definitely one of the hardest. Um, I understand the refereeing is hard and referees who are always going to make bad calls and they're always going to make right calls but it's just you know when I referee and if I made a bad call just saying to a player do you know what I might miss that mm. I'll look for it next time that's it yeah you know but when you have referees that go nope it wasn't that or they don't even look at you yeah. or they'll give you a sniper mark or something 
like that's the ones that really frustrate me and those are the ones that probably aren't officiating the game properly yeah. you know um, Andy Thackeray was a referee in the BBL who used to really sort of talk to me during the game or he would talk to me just after a timeout, you know, when you come in before the balls and play and mm. stuff and he would say something or he would say, do you know what, Greg, I probably missed that last one. Sorry about that, you know, or I'll try and get it next time or something. You might not even look for it again, but just by him acknowledging that he may have made a mistake, yeah. that's enough. Yeah. You don't need to say you made a mistake, but you say, do you know what, I didn't see that, I'll look for it next time. Yeah. That's it. Makes and a huge difference. I can just get on with the game then, yeah. you know, but then when you have the referees that kind of moan or they'll give you a dirty look or give you a crappy comment or something. That Those are the ones that just really don't know. They ain't got no control over the game at all. No. You know, and, and it happens at local league level and it happens at the top level, at BBL or even the NBA. You see yeah. It, you know, it's, it's the referees who are not power hungry. Yeah. Those are the ones who are the best referees. The ones who are the bad ones are the ones who abuse that power and just try to control the game. It's like a dictatorship. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, my mom's watched me play loads of times and she said the best referees are the ones you notice aren't even there. Yeah. You know, because everything that should be called gets called. Yeah. And no one's questioning anything. You should be able to go and ask. Like I've a number of times said, okay, why was that a foul? Like I'm not disputing it, but yeah. what what did I have to do differently to yeah, make yeah. sure I don't get called that again? hundred percent. And a good referee should give you an answer. They should. Yeah, yeah. they should. Because not everyone referees the same. Mm. Some guys don't like uh, too much hands on hand checking and stuff, whereas other refs will let it go. Mm. But it's important that if you question the referee, like, are you letting hand checking go? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm okay with the hands, yeah. But just, you know, nothing with the hips or something. Yeah. Or, you know, I'm okay with um, like arm bars in the post, yeah. you know, but just make sure you don't push off and yeah. stuff like that. You should be able, a good referee should be able to communicate that to the teams, you know, or even have a word with the captains at halftime or something. Just say, guys, yeah, there's too much lip or there's too much this, there's too much of that. Yeah. Give some feedback back to the players so they can go back and tell their teams so we can have a better game yeah. you know, for people who are watching and for us. Yeah. Because sometimes I think referees forget the amount of time that we put into training. And it leads to this moment and then you've come to the game and you've just destroyed it and you've made it a bad game. Yeah. You know, I've been in, I, I know you have, I know every basketball player has been in the game, but they've had conversations with the opposition saying, this is, this is crap. This yeah, is yeah. terrible. Yeah. And it's the referees that are doing it, yeah. you know, whereas other times you go to games, you don't even referee, no referees are there because yeah. they've done a good job. They're working together. They're working as a pair. They're on the same wavelength and they're making the right calls. Yeah. And if they're not, man enough to just say or woman enough or person enough whatever PC means so to say be today. but they're just yeah they're just you know mature enough to just say do you know what I might miss that one sorry yeah. about that you yeah, know yeah. or I missed that one sorry about that you yeah. know that's it that's mm-hmm. done it is I think that's 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 kind of um, you know you, you kind of know the second that the rest walk in the gym as well because you look and you go oh dear <laughs> we're we going to have a tough night tonight or here we go yeah it does happen yeah. Um, but no you're absolutely right but you do need to be able to speak to them as long as you're not upstaging them I think it's okay yeah um, did you get any opportunity because you stayed with Bristol your whole career did you get any opportunity to move Did was that ever an option for you Europe further uh, Europe was ever on the cards no not at all not even the States really um, at the time when I was playing and sort of if I was going to go it would have been probably before I was 18 around yeah. those kind of times like a younger player uh, going out to high school and stuff like that but I never really had the sort of means to get out mm-hmm. we were currently in sort of division two division three at the time so I didn't really have a lot of like I don't think we were recording our games at that point wow. you know so it was sort of I had no credentials or anything you know and by the time I was you know the, the recording of the games was being done and YouTube and all the things were coming into play and people started getting game tapes out I was quite happy just to continue staying in Bristol. Yeah. And that goal of trying to get to the BBL was all I was focused on. Yeah. Really. Um, I had an opportunity, well, when I was going to go to college, I was debating going down to Plymouth to play. Um, the coach at the time, I cannot remember his name, for the Raiders said that I could get some minutes with the Raiders at the yeah. time. Um, and I had a scholarship with Marjons and I could play Marjons basketball. Uh, down there and stuff and I was kind of contemplating that but it was sort of a crossroad where do I stay in Bristol and try and get to the BBL with Bristol or do I jump on the Raiders bandwagon and just kind of fit in with those guys and I kind of felt that I wanted to continue in Bristol and kind of build something here and kind of have my name attached to it as being get got there you know um, I mean, I've been coached by Danny James and he was a big part of the Raiders um, success over the years. 
And he said that it be, it's, it's nice to be able to kind of put your own mark on something. And, you know, whenever people think of Bristol and basketball, they'll think of you. Yeah. You know, and, and or as one of the people that got it there. You know, there's loads of people that came before me that have done massive things with basketball in Bristol. But at least when it comes to the BBL team, you are a massive reason why they're there. Yeah. And I thought that's something immoral. Like the, that, the work that I put in, no one would ever, ever be able to take that away from No, you know. No. So that's nice. And it's something a bit special yeah. when it's your hometown, I think. Yeah, definitely. You know, if, if you've grown up there and, and, and that's, um, I just think it means a lot more, you know, like yeah. we, we've got, um, one of my footballers that I train, he now plays for Portsmouth, but before that he's, he was Swindon's captain yeah. and he's a, he was a Swindon boy. He's been here since he was 13 and he, he kind of stayed through thick and thin and, you know, and that's forever now he'll come back here and people, people will appreciate that, yeah. you know, whereas, definitely. Maybe they will do that in ten years' time in Portsmouth, but it's this has always be his first yeah. club and whatever, and he will always get a bad reception in Oxford, you know, <laughs> for that reason. So, so I would think you know yeah. he's, in, he's, he's he's linked to that club forever now, yeah. which is great. I think it's nice to have that. Yeah, um, I think it's good and bad. I yeah, think, yeah. Because I mean, I've never been coached by anyone else, which means that you know there might be something else that someone else might have showed me. Whereas. Mm-hmm. You know, the good side of that is I've been with Andreas for years and years and years, and he knows me inside out, I know him inside out, and I, I know exactly what he needs for success on the court, and I can implement that, and I can feed that into the new players that come into the team and kind of show them the way. Yeah. You know, we had Doug McGock and Williams for years and years, and he was another one. You know, Roy Owen, he was another one. Tyrone Treasure, he's another one. And it's sort of like we've been playing under Andreas for so long that it's just a chemistry that works well. Yeah. Definitely. Who was the best player you played with? Played with? Man, that's hard. <laughs> that's I'm putting really, on a spot there. That's really hard. <laughs> oh, give me a few names. Gosh. I, yeah, I give that's you a few better. names. When I was younger playing, uh, growing up, it was Dominic Reed. He was amazing. He was just this player who really took me under his wing. He was like a real positive role model for me at the time, um, especially when I needed one. 15 years old, I met him. And um, it was like, you know, am I going to start running on the street with gangs and kids and stuff or am I gonna you know try and make something of my life and he really pulled me under his wing and took me to basketball tryouts and took me here and took me there and really helped me play and when you know we used to go to courts and he'd show me how to play and certain things and tricks and trades and stuff he really helped me and when he played for the Flyers he was just amazing he helped them progress from division three to division two um, and then he, he started a business and then that took over Right, and he stopped playing, and and then after that, um, I had Lee Treasure, which was Tyrone Treasure's uh, um, right. brother. He was amazing. He came over for the states with his brother, and he came with this amazing, like, work ethic and skill set that we had never seen in Bristol, you know, or in the UK because it was this American flavor. And I really, you know, admired him for that and stole so many moves from him. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, definitely, me and his brother. And yeah. I know you won't mind me saying that. <laughs> Um, and then in terms of like you had Americans that came over for the teams so the first big one for me would have been Doug McLaughlin Williams who was a great friend of mine he stayed with the team for like seven eight years or something like that he was with the team and I'm not sure what the record is for the longest staying American for a a team to play with but he's got to be up there definitely Um, he was just amazing on and off the court Um, he made me feel like I could just do anything you know he really helped me and pushed me and um and, and demonstrated some amazing skills like you know his his shooting for someone of his size and his defense and rebounding was just he took it to the next level you know we were a real good one-two combo for sure and it's the stuff he did off the court the community work you know he was he was a Bristolian for a long time you know like kids would come up and they would recognize him and they would know him and he was good at talking to people and assemblies that we would do with the flyers he came across well he just set like a really good reputation for basketball in Bristol, yeah. and also for Americans. Like he did them proud. You know, he you wouldn't think of him as being obnoxious or arrogant or anything. He was just a great guy. Yeah. He did really good stuff for the team. One hundred percent. That's really cool. Um, and then later on in the BBL, we had uh, Doug Heron Jr. He was great. Yeah. Um, he got injured uh, during our season, our first year in the BBL, but he was on track to be a, the MVP of the BBL that year. Really? He was averaging like 32 points a game while still maintaining like, you know, 10 or 12 assists. Wow. Um, he, I think he, he tore his ACL. I think it was during, um, halfway through the season, 
but he was phenomenal and he's still doing great things now. He's, he's, he's back playing again. Um, I often stay in contact with him and, and stuff and see what he's getting up to. Yeah. And he's doing amazing. He went to Japan, went to Canada, plays in the States. Yeah, he was phenomenal. Phenomenally good. Yeah. yeah. So, What about playing against? Played against? Man, loads of people. Um, Tintin, David Watts, mm-hmm. Redding. He was something else. He was just like, how is he doing this? He's so tall, <laughs> so skinny. He was Kevin Durant before Durant. Yeah. You know, and and he was he was great to watch, great to play against. Um, yeah, he was he was definitely one of those people that I would look at and say, he is he is way better than me. Yeah. You know, and he's taking that bar to the next level. You know, how do I shoot that consistency? Yeah. You know, how do I come off those screens and, and have that much balance and stuff? You know, he was great. You know, when he was playing a red and they were a powerhouse, yeah. for sure. Um, uh, who else? Uh, Zaire Taylor in the BBL, he was good, definitely. Um, I wish I played against him more, if I'm honest. Um, he was only there for a year when I was playing in the BBL, when he was playing for the Lions. I wish I played against him more because he was a good competitor, strong player, uh, big skill set, and uh, seemed like a nice guy as well. You know, he's quite humble with his game. Uh, who else was there? Um, Stephen Gill, like I said yeah. earlier, he was another one. Yeah, I'd like to play another game against him one day. <laughs> he was he was a good player, man. He's another one to play with a smile on his face. Yeah, yeah, he's a nice guy, definitely. Yeah, a lot of respect for him. Uh, who else is there? Yeah, so many, man. Yeah, so so many. Long career. I mean, think about that. Yeah, so I mean, like you know, there's just so many different teams and that I've played against. And um, oh, who's the oh god, what's his name? Uh, point guard for Newcastle. I know who you're talking about because I watched him in the BBL yeah. final a couple of years ago. Uh, Fletcher, yes, Fletcher. Him, yeah, he was a nightmare. Was he five <laughs> eleven? Yeah, yeah, small man, but he was MVP. Uh, numerous MVPs. I yeah. think he's got. Um, he won MVP of that game. I think the BBL yeah. final. He was amazing. Yeah, he's tough, tough, mm. tough. Yeah. As soon as you figure out he's left-handed, then it makes a difference, but yeah. he still finds a way to go <laughs> right with his left hand. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so there's been a lot of players, man. Yeah. A lot, a lot of players I've played against that I've respected and have shown me certain things and stuff, especially when I was like learning my game and uh, you know, getting it all together, all my bits and pieces that yeah. I needed to have a good, well-rounded game, for sure. What about like internationally? Because you play for um, you play for Great Britain or England. How does it work? Uh, so I think from under sixteens, under eighteens, it was England. Mm-hmm. But then under twenty ones, it was Great Britain. Right. But I did get cut before the um, the international. Oh, when I you actually went away for the the final championship. So yeah, I went yeah. on tour with them, but I didn't stay with the team, which was which was tough for me because I kind of I was at a point where I was on a roll and I was going and I was sticking with the England thing, and then I got so far and then. Like I just got cut and I was mm. just like, oh my God, what now? Mm. You know, and it, I really got sort of angry about it. I was quite resentful when it was, um, uh, what's his name? Callum's dad, Jones. Uh, God, what's his name? Manchester. Um, oh God, I can't remember his first name now, but his surname's Jones. Yeah. He played for Manchester, uh, played. He coached Manchester uh, Magics and yeah. then eventually the Giants. But yeah, he he's the, he was the coach at the time, and he cut me from the team. And I remember we played against Manchester, with Gill and Tintin and stuff, and, and we beat them. And then he said to Andreas after the game, and Andreas told me that he said he wished he never cut me. He, he regrets cutting me because oh. I remember I had like twenty five points in yeah. games. I played good, and I played good because of him yeah. as well. And um, and I was good. You were better off not knowing that, just not knowing. Yeah, you know, because I really wanted that. To continue at least to under twenty ones because then the next step after that is the men's team, yeah. the England national team, yeah, you know, yeah. and that at the time would have been close to twenty twelve, yeah, which would have been amazing, yeah. So yeah, I was guided about that. Definitely, that, that team then would have. Did you ever? Did you ever played with or against uh, Deng? Deng, no, 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 no. no, so no he no. would have kind of come over. He was a he was at Duke, wasn't he? It was like he lived in New Jersey, so, yeah, went right. to Duke and then the NBA, and then he came back. Just for 2012, pretty much, I think, right? To try yeah. and get, yeah. But that's um, that sort of setup. It, again, it was largely him and BBL, right? It wasn't yeah. many others, as far as no, I know. It wasn't, and a, and a lot of the guys, if you look to the list of the people who were playing um, for the 2012 team, a lot of them weren't even playing in England. Really? You know, they're all playing in Europe, or yeah. they're playing in America and stuff, uh, JUCOs and high schools or college or university and you know, um, in Spain or France, mm. Italy, all these places and stuff. Hardly any of them were playing in England. 
that's know, a shame. It's, it's tough that we're not able to retain these players. Yeah. You know, and that's that's the, the catch-22. You know, we've got great players, but then we send them off to other schools. Yeah. They have to for pay and, and whatever. And for credentials. <coughs> yeah. It's, it's the credentials as well. You know, when the, when the coaches are looking at the team list and stuff, are they going to pick, you know, person A who plays in France or are they going to pick... Greg Street who plays for Bristol mm. you know yeah, yeah. and that's that's the that's the highlight of it you know even though I'm a better player than person A yeah. I don't play in the right league or yeah. I don't play to that standard so therefore I'm not going to do as good a job yeah. and I always felt like that was a hurdle and like Ty my friend Tyrone Treasure he felt the same way as well sometimes because we're not playing in the right place yeah. that we're getting overlooked and that was something that kind of pushed me to stay in the international system so people younger than me could have that pathway yeah you know, and, and hopefully build the reputation for Bristol up so it gets respected. Like, oh, he's from Bristol. Okay, he might be all right. This yeah. Let's, let's check him out. You yeah. Know? Or, you know, he pays for Andreas. Okay, yeah, Andreas is a good coach. This kid must know his stuff, you know, yeah. and hoping to build that up a little bit. And that's something, an obstacle that we face, especially in the Southwest. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. It's, London it's and North, you're, you're kind of okay, but yeah. Newcastle's big, Manchester. Exactly. Um, yeah. Edinburgh's still big. Yeah, they yeah. They were big for yeah, a long time. Yeah, yeah, they're still out of the kind of out of the because they're so far up yeah. <laughs> you know there's still Scotland and stuff yeah. but when it comes to GB then yeah definitely yeah. you know Kieran Achari is another great player yeah. in games as well definitely yeah, Amari's yeah. game yeah he's got a lot going for him solid player yeah. yeah and so what would you say then if you had to like try and narrow it down to your like your career highlight yeah what would, yeah, what would that be uh, career highlight definitely making the playoffs yeah. in the first year in the BBL uh, when so much was sort of against us and uh, Doug Herring Jr. getting injured like mm. our star player being injured and us still being able to, to persevere and get to the playoff final and we we did it in our last league game as well so it's sort of like if we win this game we get to the playoffs if we yeah. lose this game we're out Yeah. Um, and it was it was just a great sort of icing on the cake for us to be able to say we came from Division 1 to the to the BBL and we're in the top eight already Yeah, straight away like that's a great place for the Flyers to start you know and it was at that point when I thought okay let's, let's start thinking about retirement how many years do I want to do this you know because the team's in a great place and then I said okay I'll play for about two or three more years and then I'll start thinking about winding down Yeah, get get the team to where it needs to be experience that lifestyle you know nice coaches big stadiums you know 3,000 people watching, screaming and shouting, yeah. whether it's good or bad, but they're there, you know, yeah. they're appreciating basketball, they're appreciating the, the efforts that we're putting on the court, enjoy that lifestyle, and then just, you know, take right a off into the sunset, yeah. Yeah. I like it, that's good, <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, so you're now firefighting? Yeah, yeah. How did that come about? Is that always a plan or? No, it wasn't, to be honest. I mean, like I said before, I was... Um, uh, playing professional basketball and I was you know, playing Division One and stuff, I was coaching, mentoring, uh, working for a secondary school as the head coach of a basketball team at school. Um, I was doing all the youth work and everything. I had all these sort of skills and uh, like abilities to talk to people and being able to kind of try and bring the best out of people and, and things like that. I had all these skills, but I didn't know what kind of to do with it. Yeah. And I didn't want to carry on doing after school coaching while I'm 40 or 50 years old and stuff. That's sort of like the young boys game, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I wanted to find something instead of just going and working a desk job where I could actually use all the skills um, and the reputation that I've, I've got through sport in general and put it into something productive. Mm -hmm. Um, and then um, my fiance's uh, dad at the time was just going towards in his last year of retirement from the fire service. And he said that the fire service were sending out, um, well, they were recruiting again after eight years. So they haven't recruited for a long time. And right. this is the first recruitment drive they've had in eight years. He said, I should put in an application for him. And I sort of, I was like, no, I can't be a firefighter. I can't do what you do. I'm a basketball player, yeah. you know? <laughs> and he said, you'd be surprised the amount of similarities that you have through the community stuff you do as well with the fire service, you know, okay, we respond to fires and we help paramedics gain access to people's houses that need help and stuff. And, you know, we help cut people out of cars and the rest of it. But we also do a lot of the community stuff. So we go to schools and do community talks like you do with the fires. Yeah. And you do the same thing about fire safety and, you know, we go to people's houses and um, set fire, um, put smoke alarms up and educate them on how to keep their home and house safe and 
you know, we hold, we go to community fairs and fates and churches and bits and pieces and stuff, any sort of community thing. So you'd be great for it. You know, you can talk to people, you're approachable. Yeah. Put an application form, try yeah. it. So I said, okay, right. So I put together all my application form, which was stacked, and yeah. then put it in, made it through the first stage. Well, okay. Then it was an English and maths test. Got through that. Thought, okay, I'm doing all right. Yeah. I guess this might just happen. Did the fitness test, passed that. I was okay because I, I hope still, so. I still had a bit of fitness with flyers <laughs> left yeah. over in the tank. And then um, it came to the final interview. So I put myself a suit, got all you know, shaved and cleaned and stuff, went to the interview, nailed the interview, no problems at all, gave some really good examples of uh, the values that the fire service has. And I can relate it to a lot of the things I did with the basketball team as well as the coaching and the mentoring. And then they offered me the job. Amazing. Yes, and it was it was amazing. Yeah. I mean, I wish I'd got in sooner, but then it would have taken away from all the stuff I needed to get to that point. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's a it's a great career. I absolutely love it. It is amazing working as a team and being able to kind of have a, a shift pattern where I'm working nights, which means I'm able to have some days to spend with the kids. Yeah. And uh, you know, do shopping and ironing and business. Yeah. Like you know, just be able to run the family in the household. It really helps. I love it. Yeah. And it's um, you know, you said you said on that team, like the camaraderie seems to be important to you, which is good. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, it. I think you could easily be wasted after sport with a, like a personality that you that you have to be around people and help people and mentor and stuff like that. And that's what you said to me in in one of our games recently. You said, that's what I'm here for now is to help these youngsters play, yeah. get them to understand the game better. And because I'm assuming you could probably at any point, if you wanted to, you could still go for 30 in our league. Like, that wouldn't be a massive <laughs> issue. So, but you don't. You're going to do that in the last few minutes if you need to. But it's, I've seen you turn down open shots because you're trying to get this guy going or whatever. Yeah. And that's interesting. Like, there's, no, there's less ego involved now, obviously, but like, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. Definitely. And um, I suppose that, that definitely overlaps into trying to help support a teammate, same as a fire service now. Yeah, so. definitely. Yeah. But being able to help others is great. Yeah. It's a really, I always find like a lot of, okay, I've got an open shot, but he's got a better shot. Mm. I'll give him the ball, he scores. That makes me feel just as good as scoring myself. Yeah. You know, 100%. There was a shot. Uh, who was we playing against? I want to say Sheffield, maybe? It was the Brandon Boggs three-pointer from the corner on the buzzer to win the game down <laughs> yeah. two. And someone put up a shot. Um, I went and got the offensive rebound. Could have put it up. Pulled it back out to the three-point line. Still open. Could have shot it. Brandon's in the corner. I gave it to Brandon. He made the shot. Everyone goes mental, loses their mind. Yeah. I felt just as good as if I made the shot myself. Yeah, you know, because I kept the ball alive. I found an open guy who was, you know, feet set, ready to shoot. Yeah, and he made the shot, and it was great. And it was like, I, I hope that people, more people, have that kind of mentality that it's just as good for your team to score as it is for yourself to score. Yes, and that's what I'm trying to impart onto some of the younger players that maybe see that. I don't know, James Harden scoring 50 points and Russell Westbrook's got another triple-double yeah. from, you know... People giving him the rebounds. Yeah, yeah, giving him rebounds and stuff. It's not about that. It's mm. about, is your team winning? You know, no one cares about the guy that scores 50 points on a team that loses. <coughs> yeah. No one cares. There was an interview recently, I saw a clip of it on Instagram, and it was Kobe and T-Mac talking yeah. um, about James Harden with an interviewer and saying, oh, I think it's amazing what he's doing. They won't win a title. Right. <laughs> and that's what Kobe said all oh, right they yeah. won't win like that it yeah. doesn't work believe me I've done it it doesn't work that way there you go and it's um, it's interesting that that obviously you recognise greatness he's a great player yeah but you know it doesn't I I think I'm 34 now so I look at it and go that doesn't impress me as much as it used to no um, not at all um, I'm going to give you a quick quick fire go right? for it um, so if you could these are I, I'm going to give you two names and first one, so you'd have to answer as quick as you can. Point guard you'd want to play with, Nash or Kid? Kid. Yeah? Okay. Um, best small ball scorer, Kyrie or Iverson? Iverson. Okay. Um, best wing scorer, this is a good one, this has been a, a debate recently, T-Mac, KD? T-Mac. Yes. Good. I'm with you. Good. <laughs> he gets forgotten about... Um, Best competitor, Jordan Kobe. Kobe. I like that too. Um, go. Go. Anyone. Kobe. Kobe as well? Uh, only, it's, it's time specific. I have this debate with my boys all the time. Yes. You know, my basketball guys, we talk about this all the time, especially that T-Mac and Durant one as well. I'm all over that. Um, 
But it depends on when you were born. Like when when were you hooked on basketball? Like mm-hmm. I I grew up in the Kobe era. So, you know that was my era to watch basketball. My good friend Christian, the mad one that plays for my team, he grew up in the Jordan era. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then like my friends who I coach and play with now, they're in the LeBron era. Yeah. You know, and it all depends on when when were you gripped from basketball? Who was the guy, the man at that time? Mm-hmm. And my favorite basketball player of all time is Tracy McGrady, Same. just because of the way he plays and how effortless. Yeah, you know. But the goat for me is still Kobe. You know, just because of eighty-one points and yeah. the things that he did and the titles and the way he did it and the shots that he made at the times that he made them and stuff. You know, but that doesn't take away from anyone else. It's just that that was when. Basketball was magical to me, yeah. you know, and it was this thing I used to watch on a Saturday morning on Sky Sports One, and Kobe was the man, yeah. you know. Whereas for other people, it was Jordan, and yeah. I think it, it definitely depends on when you were born and when you were gripped by basketball. Yeah, you know. I was in Canada the year that he was averaging thirty-five, and he put eighty-one on Toronto. Yeah, I was living in Toronto. No way. <laughs> that whole city Quite went into a funk. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah, but he did that. And Unreal. it was insane. Yeah, and but, he did that against good basketball players. Yeah, he did. You know, it wasn't like the Will Chamberlain 100, you know, no, always no. playing against like farmers and stuff like yeah. that. Or whatever. <laughs> but he, he did that against professional athletes. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah. Unreal. And he scored, there was a game he played, um, and again, being in Toronto, Steve Nash is a massive deal. Yeah. And he played Phoenix in the playoffs. He scored two buzzer beaters. Do you remember that one? I think so, yeah. Thank you, Shaq was there. He'd just gone. Just gone, okay. So I think it was 06. He, it was a playoffs against Phoenix. They lost the series, I think, but he went, he dribbled um, and he, he scored a three, I think. And then he scored um, like across the lane. He drove to the opposite side of the free throw line, pulled up for a fadeaway, scored that at the buzzer. I think I remember that. It was. Yeah. So twice in the same game, we went overtime buzzer beat and I think fourth quarter buzzer beat to, to win. It was incredible. And then the thing for me with T-Mac was I remember being, I was a Magic fan. Yeah. I remember when him and Grant Hill were turning up, both signed those big contracts. Yeah. You know, they were I'm in the iron could they get Tim Duncan and they didn't do that and they got Grant Hill, who spent seven years injured. Yeah. And then went to Phoenix for a minimum salary and was four years as a great player still. Yeah. And T Mac just took over. Mm. Like he was just in just such I've never seen an easier scorer. Yeah. Like, and I know KD's great, but People are averaging 130 ga- points a game now as teams. Like, it, McGrady was doing it without a third of the team's points. Easily. You know? So Easily. Yeah, like, Tom Lou. Yeah. Gordon. Yeah. Gordon. Um, yeah, they had, um, like, he, he, when he first went there, they had Bo Outlaw. Yeah. Daryl Armstrong. Daryl Armstrong. John Amici. Point guard, yeah. Amici, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pat Garrity. Yeah. Um, you know, Insane. Mike, um, went to the Grizzlies, Mike Miller. Mike Miller. So yeah, <sighs> that's the team Real they retro had. Leads, mm. Yeah, and he was taking them to the playoffs every year and get through. But he yeah. was taking them to the playoffs. Got him there. Yeah. One man band. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, he was always my favorite. Yeah. Going off the backboard in the All Star game was like a highlight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was the blue and uh, the blue and red trainers. On yes, that's, yeah, that's it. Man, what those trainers? Yeah, so bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the first time we've talked about yeah. trainers. <laughs> no, it won't be the last. Won't be the last. Um, listen, I'm going to wrap up now with you. Um, this has been amazing, a real, a real honor for me to get to talk basketball with someone who really knows it. It's played at high level. Um, and do you know what a real inspiring character too so I just want to say thank you for coming on uh, making the journey down to Swindon to see us um, I appreciate it uh, any final words or advice for anyone coming up oh uh, coming up uh, just always stay true to yourself work hard and um, if you're anything like me just just stay humble you know stay humble in your game stay humble as you as a person and good things always happen